Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Brandon Fogarty, bringing you Under the Tent, where we take a deep dive into all things ultra running, lace up those shoes, throw in those headphones, and let's run it. Right. And we're live. Greg Zinner, welcome to the podcast. How are you, man? Good. Thanks, Brandon. I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah, uh, super stoked to have you. Uh, we first met at, at Keystone Backyard back in May, and I've just been following your progress and all your amazing stuff that you've been doing. Uh, I'm super excited, super impressed, and just super, super happy to have you on here today. Thanks. Hey, I've been following your progress too. I, I love it because you're running in my old backyard up there in PA where we met. And I, I was stoked following your FKT attempt on the Appalachian Trail a few weeks ago. So it's like, man, I, I know that spot. I know that spot. So yeah, it's good to, <laughs> good to be talking to you. Yeah, that FKT was um, something I was kind of working on for a little bit and had learned a bit um, back in July. And the time on it wasn't anything super, um, like, special. And I knew, like, I could definitely do it. So I, like, started running different sections of it. And no lie, like, a week after I had decided that I wanted to try it, Pat Hine goes out and, like, obliterates the previous record. And I'm like, oh, man, now there's, like, now I really got to work for it um so came up a little bit short but still got an awesome day in, and um yeah. the terrain is just absolutely insane yeah last time i was uh, actually no the one of the previous trips up in pa there's a there's a road in ashfield and i'll follow it up that winds up the blue mountain and you can actually park off the road there and i hiked a few miles in the Appalachian Trail. I hadn't been up there in years, but yeah, it's 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 rocky terrain up there. It's it's hard to make time on those trails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's start with um, you. Kind of a full fledged ultra runner now, I would say, but um, I wouldn't say it was always like that. Your background, I would say, maybe was a little bit of a struggle um, when you first started coming off of um you referred to uh well kind of dependent on alcohol maybe a little bit and yeah um wasn't always a clear start and and clear picture for you so could you kind of talk us through how you found ultra running and how that helped you kind of um deal with those issues yeah, sure. I, I started out running when I was young. I ran track and cross country growing up at the height in high school back up in near you where you're at right now. Yeah. And uh, had some success there. Loved the sport. And uh, I spent college years and most of my 20s not running too much, ran off and on. And, and I, I, you know, I, I was running to the bars and to the liquor stores is where I was running most of most of the time. So I, uh, I, I got sober in my early thirties and got back into, got back into running, but I, my background is, is track and road racing, you know, at 5k races and cross country races. And, uh, it was, it was at some point, uh, I, I'm trying to remember exactly, but anyhow, I, I, I was sort of like the ultras and it was just sort of something to do. 
And uh, I did a few in like 2012, maybe 2015. I had a good friend that got me into going to these races in southwestern Virginia called Iron Mountain. Uh, did a Gator Trail 50K, which is Wilmington Roadrunners put on uh, Lake Waccamaw down here in North Carolina. But uh, really got back into the ultra scene uh, right around, I guess, when COVID was hitting. Uh, last year and i met some people who were running some just crazy insane mileage and i thought well, what, what are they doing what are they up to this sounds like fun and uh since then i've just you know full-fledged it's 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 where my passion's at where my heart's at uh, as you know training for a couple this fall so i just i love the i love the challenges and every race is unique out there and i guess i consider myself an ultra runner now yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I know you brought up Iron Mountain there, um, which is one of the first races like I wanted to get into. So the Iron Mountain is in West Virginia in the Appalachians, um, very gnarly trail race, over 8,000 feet of vert. Um, can you talk us through kind of your first 50 miler and anything like I'd say your first very big ultra, um, anything, you know, over the 50K mark? and kind of talk sure. us through the day and, and how you got hooked up with that. Sure. I had a, I had a friend of mine, Natasha, and, and she had gone there every year. And there's a couple of people from Wilmington who had run it. Uh, it's actually down in southwestern Virginia, a small town called Damascus. It's right along the Creeper Trail. And it's just a beautiful little mountain town. And I went the first year and they have a 16 mile, a 30 mile and a 50 mile event. So the first year I went, I did the 30 miler. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to come back and tackle the 50 miler. And uh, it was just an incredible experience. Uh, and I, you know, I had no idea really what I was doing. It was just like, you ask people, well, how should I prepare for this? Well, you know, run a lot. And, and a big concept that I had never heard of was just time on feet. Get out there, run, walk. You got to learn how to eat. You got to learn how to take hydration. You're going to be out there 10 hours, uh, you know, on your own in the woods. So, you know, they, they had aid stations, of course, out there. But that was a whole new concept to me. I'd run some road marathons before, but you can get away in a road marathon without eating thin and just stopping at a couple of aid stations and drinking water. Uh, so I went down there, did the 50 miler and uh, it starts on the creeper trail and then it climbs. You climb up some connecting trails that sort of head up towards the Appalachian Trail, which goes through there. And you basically run along a ridgeline on the Appalachians. It's a big sort of out and back looped course. And there's parts of that where you're, I mean, gosh, you got to be five miles from the next, you know, hint of civilization up in there and uh just beautiful and it was the first time i really spent like an entire day just out there running walking um i think we started at 7 a.m and i got done about 5 30 p.m so i got to see the sun rise and the sun starting to set till i got back and uh it's just and the thing, one of the things I remember too is is the last like half mile or mile coming back on the creeper trail and you cross this just this beautiful bridge across the river and then you sort of take a left and you come back to this little community park and you get the finish line up ahead and they got this gazebo where they're growing out food and just 
thoroughly enjoying that last part of the race because i've done races i'm sure you've done races your listeners have done races where you're just in such abject misery you just want the dang thing to end i don't want to take another step i can't really appreciate the fact that i'm crossing the finish line but there it was so different i just thoroughly appreciated the fact that wow i did this amazing epic thing and i can soak in the the applause of some of the people there and it was a wonderful experience and i just saw something on facebook it's always labor day weekend so it's kind of interesting that we're talking today it's always the saturday labor day weekend so i hope you get to do it someday it's it's a great race down there they've been doing it probably going on about 15 years now same race director and same volunteers out there so it's it's cool experience yeah, that sounds um, amazing. And uh, yeah, I couldn't relate more to the uh, some races just wishing you were done. Um, but even still, it, like when I talk to people and try to get them into ultras or say, oh, okay, well, you ran a half. You ever think about maybe running a 30 miler? I'm like, if you could run a half, you could run a marathon. If you could run a marathon, you could run a 30 miler. And uh, so, but that's what they always say is, oh, I don't, I don't know if I could finish. And if I could, it the time wouldn't be great and you know i'd have to walk a lot and it's like well you know in the moment it might suck and you might question mm-hmm. why you're out there all the time but regardless of you know even my terrible races and and i'm sure you could say the same is even on a bad day when you finish an ultra um you still cross that finish line and even though it may not have been exactly what you wanted um you still did it and still woke up that morning and you know towed the start line so um that's more than you know you could really ever ask for oh yeah for sure i mean even if you have to walk or crawl across that finish line it's just it finishing and finishing anything is just an accomplishment of itself anyone i ever talked to i encourage them to sit down you know don't get hung up on the time sometimes times are relative it's the fact that you started and you finished that's what matters yeah yep definitely um so you mentioned that you have a lot of uh, background in, in road racing and, uh, you know, a little more of the speedier side of things compared to ultra running. You ran Boston Marathon three times and just happened to run it in 2018 when some of the worst conditions I think Boston's ever had. Um, oh, yeah. But it also turned out to be one of your best finishes in Boston. So could you walk us through... Um, you know, when you woke up the morning of Boston and saw the weather report and then uh, just kind of walk us through the race and how everything went that day? Oh, yeah, that, that that's a weekend I'll never forget. That was my first Boston, too. And uh, I remember looking at the weather forecast like 14 days out, you know, when, when the, the actual date of the race is on the most extended forecast. And I was like, oh, partly <laughs> cloudy, high of 53 degrees, light winds. And we're like, yay, we're going to have awesome weather for Boston, you know. And little did we know, uh, we there were a couple of us from Wilmington who went up and we were fortunate through some friends of friends. We stayed at this old rustic farmhouse and I believe the town's name is Canton. It's south of Boston, about 30 miles. So, we, uh, I remember waking up the night before and just the wind and rain, like rattling the windows and just trying to convince myself, no, this is just a bad dream. It's going to be fine tomorrow. And, uh, we had pictures of us that the morning before we went to the race. I mean, we had so much clothing on because 
Boston's unique is that you can't just drive up to the start line and hop out of your car and go run. There's a thing called Athletes Village, and you take buses to get there, and you're, you're very reliant on whatever you take, and people just literally shuck clothes and shed clothes, and it gets donated, I think, to the Salvation Army or things such as this. So, you know, we had these cheap ponchos and, like, garbage bags and, like, literally, like, two pairs of gloves and hats on going up there, and it was just – I mean, it was a nor'easter. There were parts of parts just to the west were getting snow and sleet that morning. So, it, it, it I, the night before, I was it was probably the only time in my life when I was literally fearful going into a race. I was literally afraid of what was going to happen out there in the weather elements. And I remember just, you know, I, I, I'm a spiritual guy. I believe in God and just. You know, oh my God, I just, I need help. I, I, I'm panicked. I'm, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And I just had a moment of calm come over me. And I remembered, hey, part of this is why we do this is we're up here to have fun. We're up here to enjoy it. And uh, I had people, we had a wonderful crew. We had uh, several, you know, a couple of the runners' wives. My dad was up there. Uh, we had a couple guys who went up and ran the 5K. The BAA puts on a really competitive 5K the day before, so they helped us out. And uh, I really learned it's, it's, you know, it's a community of people. And I'll never forget all the volunteers who are out there. I mean, volunteers literally out there eight, ten hours standing in this stuff, you know, like 35 degrees, 20-mile-an-hour wind, pouring rain. And I think think I was so focused at first on the elements that I just wasn't too cognizant of okay I've got to hold this pace or oh no I'm hitting the 10 mile mark and I'm 30 seconds off this or this it was just such a just go out and run go out and run and I did and I ended up uh what did I run a 304 up there which I, I knocked like two or three minutes off my PR and it, it was really it was just such an, it's a day I'll never forget up there. And it's just, uh, but then we got done and they have what's called a family meeting center. So we had picked that literally it goes from A to Z in the alphabet, but you have to walk several blocks to get there because of the security cordon that's set up after the, the tragic bombings that took place in 2013 up there. Like fans can't just walk up to you and hand you a, heavy sweatshirt they have to go through such security checkpoints to get to you so i get done i, st I and as soon as i got done i started shaking just started shaking uncontrollably and a, a volunteer gave me a medal you know got the medal the the you know i shed some tears going through the finish line i was just so happy i'd finished boston and then the shaking and the and and then you stop running and I'm just shaking and freezing. I found my two friends, Colin and Rob, and I look at them. They look at me like, "Where is our support team?" And they just weren't anywhere to be found. And we ended up being let into a building downtown. Had opened up their doors for runners just to get us out of the elements. I mean, to put it in context, there were, you know, a couple thousand people required medical attention for things like hypothermia out there. And they were opening up makeshift aid stations at like mile 16 on the course, people had to be pulled off the course. So uh, 
But again, the volunteers there were great. And eventually we got warm clothes and dry clothes and made it out there and went back home. And we went to, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the store. I want to say Wegmans, but I don't think that's right. We bought the most pies and cakes you've ever seen in your life. And we just <laughs> ate and ate and ate. We got pictures of us just slicing up cakes and pies and went out to some lobster house and had lobster and pizza. And so it, it, it was a it was a hell of a weekend, put it that way. What? That that's this sounds um absolutely mind-boggling. Um I uh, <laughs> actually got chills at some point throughout when you were telling those stories um because that's just you know in ultra running the the mental toughness is a very large part of a lot of these races um sometimes more often than physical so do you think this particular um you know version of boston kind of hardened you mentally a little bit to be able to take on these challenges uh, more recently i think so there, there was you know there were a bunch of us from wilmington good friends that ran it and you know, I knock on wood, it's, it's, you know, something's going to come along that's going to top it, I'm sure. But, but yeah, it's something like, it's like, you know, like we'll never have worse conditions than that. Like that, that is the worst. And if you said, do you want to do it again? I don't know if I would, if you told me that this is what you're going to have to endure out there, but you're right. You know, all our experiences do have a way of coarsening the mind and toughening the mind and, Similar to, as you said, if, hey, someone can run a half marathon, maybe they can run a 50K. And, and, and you get out there and you do it, and you realize, hey, I'm a little bit tougher than I thought. You know, not just the physical part of it, but like the mental and the, the spiritual side of it. And, and it definitely some lessons picked up there. And just, uh, you know, it's one foot in front of the other sometimes. I, I've, I've been out there in, in one of the Iron Mountains, too, that I did in the another 100k I just did in March that that got really tough and it's just this idea of just continually moving forward no matter how slow it is you're just moving forward step by step inch by inch sometimes and 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 just this you know that finish line will come but you got to just keep moving towards it yeah yeah couldn't agree more um I think I remember watching live stream or like replay of that year of um, Boston. Cause I think Des Linden won the woman's that yeah. year. Am I right? Yeah. So yeah, I remember moments. watching and it was her and maybe Shalane uh, Flanagan and a, a couple of the elites, but the, the live feed that they were showing at points, you almost couldn't even see the runners because of how rainy it was and foggy and just mm-hmm. terrible conditions. So the camera was there and you could just kind of see like the outline of these bodies coming uh, through the live feed. And, yeah. you know, I just I never have seen anything like it. And I, I couldn't imagine, you know, <laughs> being out there um, trying to endure something like that for, you know, 26 miles. I, I get ch- I get almost a little choked up in I just remember back to it. If I see any footage of it, just like, wow. Whew. Yeah, <laughs> I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, while we're on the topic of bad weather, um, <laughs> I would say maybe it kind of follows you around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just last year, you racked up a first place win at the at a 12-hour event um, called the Halloween Hobble, but it was right after a very big storm, so it was more of a mud run than a trail run. 
So could you uh, walk us through that and what you had to endure once again at this 12-hour yeah. event? Yeah, that event proved, proved everything I said about Boston 2018 wrong because, you know, as soon as you don't think it can get worse, it can get worse. But, yeah, that was the, the Allison Woods Halloween hobble. And uh, we had the – it was in Statesville, North Carolina, sort of the, the western Piedmont heading into the mountains part of North Carolina. And the remnants of a hurricane decided to come on up through that day. So – we had rain almost the entire day, which in and of itself wasn't too bad. I mean, it's some heavy downpours. Uh, the storm, you know, we didn't have the high winds or stuff that you would have had when it initially made landfall. I believe it came on shore in the Gulf Coast again. Uh, but, yeah, it turned the trails into uh, just, uh, like, I guess, what people went through at Woodstock with mud and uh at a certain point, I actually realized that it was easier to sort of like, if you can imagine cross-country skiing, where you're just sliding your feet along the ground, that it was easier to go through the mud like that instead of picking your feet up to just slide through it. Uh, and the good news was if you fell down, which of course I did not, I would bet money everybody else fell down once or twice it didn't hurt too much because there was just inches of mud to like break your fall you know but yeah it, it, that that rain and that it was it was some epic uh the, the race director drew even debated about calling it off at some point but he did a great job he actually rerouted part of the route at one point and got bales of hay and threw it down to at least try to help us out a little bit but yeah that was, that was, you never, you know, you can prepare for races and prepare for races, but you just, you have no control over that weather forecast, do we? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, trying to explain that to somebody. Um, I want to say I could know what you mean, but until you're out there and do it, um, you know, I couldn't imagine having to uh just shuffle your feet along and, you know, yeah. slide in this mud in order to um, rack up the miles and get another lap in. Um, well, we actually but, started running the uphills because the uphills, you know, normally you're walking the uphills in an ultra. The uphills were easier footing-wise. So we actually would run the uphills and, like, slide down some of the downhills. That's awesome. Um, I know, real quick, I want to take a break from the ultra uh races and and definitely get into a few more uh, in just a minute but besides ultra running and you know as if you didn't already have an awesome list of accomplishments you have two books uh the long run home and running with uncle mike uh for anybody listening in you could find these on amazon how did you decide to write write a book uh not one but two and could you tell us how uh, you came up with the stories and, you know, kind of the ideas behind it? Oh, sure. I appreciate you mentioning it. Uh, we got to be half crazy to try to write a book, which I'm, I'm somewhere between half and full crazy. So I've always enjoyed literature and, and writing uh, and carry that over to the world of, of running. And it was just some ideas I had in my head. And it, it, it's it's something that a lot of people talk about but you got to just sort of sit down and do it and I encourage anybody that is thinking about writing to just put the pen to the paper but uh some of the, the first uh the first book The Long Run Home was sort of born out of an idea I had of I really 
at the time, scrolling back maybe seven, eight, nine years, was sort of stuck in a corporate job that I didn't really like. I was getting paid well, but just every day was, you know, I'm sure some of us or many of us have been there at one point in time. And I had this fantasy where I just wanted to chuck everything. And like my, my friend Corey used to talk about a cabin in the woods. Like, let's just, you know, go to a cabin in the woods and block out the world for forever or something like that. And, uh, and it was born out of that. And I thought, well, how can I tie running into this? So I kind of, I kind of wrote the book as sort of a fantasy that I just couldn't quite do in reality. And in this case, I went back up to, to PA, uh, Eastern PA, where you're at right now. And uh, I just, I, I used, of course, incorporated some of my own experiences with running. And uh, I just wanted to write fictional stories that sort of an every man, every woman could relate to, where it wasn't, you know, somebody doing like extraordinary things like making the Olympics or running across the country, things that maybe only a very few amount of people could actually in reality do. So I wanted to bring in characters who, you know, they were struggling with running or they were trying to run or maybe they thought I'm an idiot for going out and running and sort of let let it all sort of play out and tied around the steam, sort of finding salvation and finding sort of a, a spiritual way finding god if you will through running uh and then I, I i came up with that book and then sort of uh that that led into running with uncle mike the second book where i kind of i liked some of the characters and i had some good feedback from people and they said oh we really want to know what happened you know for instance you and jennifer your girlfriend in the book and and what happened with this guy keith that was in the mental ward and is he still running and so i came up with another idea and uh sort of took the story from there and and carried forth with it and uh just the, I, I love the idea of being creative i love the idea of using language i love language i love you know writers like you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald, the, just the lyrical language and being able to carry some of that over into running and sort of capture the essence of running and, and, and what we go through mentally as runners, not just physically, but what we're thinking about. I've had people that don't run come up to me and say, wow, it's so interesting to me what you runners are thinking about while you're out there for hours and hours on an end doing this insane stuff that, that, you know, I would never dream of doing and, and, and just sort of incorporating that into that, just, you know, having a good storyline and, and, and kind of just letting it play out and seeing where it, where it goes. Yeah, I know, um, you know, speaking of people, uh, you know, what people think while they're running, some of the longer distance races I've done, I wouldn't say I wrote a book in my head, but I, I've just come up with you know, these stories that I make up in my head to keep myself occupied, um, <laughs> you know, on the trail, whether it's like what I'm running and like, you know, make up a scenario in my head of, you know, I don't know, a story about myself running through the woods or like imagine what it's going to feel like when I finish and you just build these pictures. So yeah, uh, yeah I can yeah. imagine, you know, <laughs> as a runner trying to write a book and it would be, um, you know, very unique i guess you could say and um definitely a different style of writing but a very good one um at the least and um i'm super excited to be able to 
to grab these and read them and uh, oh, thank you kind of yeah get into uh the mind of Greg Zinner a little bit <laughs> yeah it's a scary place you know <laughs> no but it's it, it, it's fun and it's it's uh and, and it's just uh I don't know I feel like I I feel like it's something that I can give back to running in a way. Running's given me so much and it's my little way to have given back to the running world. And if it entertains you and amuses you and inspires someone, then, then all the better. Right. Um, I would say you're, you know, uh, we just said, you just said about giving back. I would say you're well on your way to giving back um, because you're, a cross country coach at New Hanover um, down in North Carolina. Could you uh, tell us how you started coaching and was it something you always wanted to do or um, just kind of like a extra scenario that came up and you jumped on it and now you're totally involved in uh, coaching these younger guys? Yeah, it, it wasn't something that, no, I never really sought out thinking that. Uh, part of it, uh, as we talked earlier in the show my running background I ran track and cross country for years growing up so I had coaches and mentors and it was something that you know after after I'd gotten done with all my my drinking and drugging and all the that bad stuff and I really my mind cleared up and I got back into running I remembered a lot of the people that were there for me and that were there for us whether it was paid coaches in high school, volunteer coaches. Uh, you know, I remember my friend's older brother that would come out and run workouts with us during track season when he was on break from college and things and all the people that just shaped how I got to where I got and where others got to where others get. And as a coach, I have this conversation with one of my assistants, Renee, all the time. Maybe the best thing we can do as coaches is instill the love of running in a young man or woman. And if it's something that they can carry on into their adult life, then we've done something successfully. So I get involved with the Cape Fear Flyers. It's a, it's a nonprofit organization in the Wilmington area. Probably about seven, eight years ago, I coached track and cross country with them. And uh, then I had the opportunity to coach cross country at New Hanover High School. Uh, I got the head coaching job three years ago there. So it's been a tremendous learning experience for me. And, and some of it, too, is just all the people you meet along the way. And, and just last year, there were, oh, my gosh, I, I, I mean, five to ten athletes who I had coached at one point in time or I knew through coaching or friends coached who were all literally graduating high school and getting scholarships to run in college, you know, various colleges across North Carolina, across the Southeast. It was just such an amazing thing to see some of these kids. I remember when they were like in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, you know, out there running 3k cross country races and running the mile on the track. And here they are like some of the best athletes in the state getting recruited at colleges and you get to know their families, their parents along the way. And just being a small part of, the, of their journey uh, out there as well. But yeah, coaching, it, it, it's a labor of love. It's something that I, I love to do. Uh, and it's something that I'm continuously learning it's it's every day I wake up and, you know, if I start to think I know too much, I'm in a 
bad spot. So it's, it's, it's a learning experience for sure. But I love the competitions and seeing the kids compete. You know, we cross country races, we're getting in the thick of it. So we got usually about one a week that we're at. We're just at one Thursday down in uh, Leland, which is a little south of Wilmington and uh, get to see some of the guys and girls have successful races and, run some PRs and see the sort of the light come on and young athletes when they realize like, not only like, Hey, I can derive some enjoyment out of this, but wow, I, I might be half decent at this sport and look what I just did. And, you know, what can I do next? And, and, and that kind of seeing that, that, that come, uh, come into play in kids is, is certainly something that's well worth it as a coach for me to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know my high school coach and was very, uh, very in- influential on my life um, in terms of running. And I credit a large reason of why I started ultra running um, to him. Just overall awesome human and, you know, the best best coach I've really ever had. Um, but co- yeah, coaches are you know, I would say maybe outside of your parents, some of the most important and influential um, people that you could be fortunate enough to meet. And, you know, hopefully the coach, if you do have one or uh, ever link up with one that, you know, they are a good one. There's, you know, maybe a few in the bunch that (laughs) I'm sure some people wouldn't go back to, but when you find that one that, you know, just clicks and you start working with them and uh, your results start showing up and, you know, maybe build a relationship outside of practice. And I think that's one of the coolest things I found about um, running in general. And I was fortunate to um, link up with my college coach now. Um, I was nervous going in, you know, because it's new coach. And I had really only ever worked with one um, all throughout high school and didn't think it could get much better. And, you know, I was kind of scared to meet this new guy and I didn't know if his training techniques would work or you know if I would even like him as a person but I think we got lucky again um Matt Robinson down at Thaddeus Stevens has just been awesome to work with and been lucky enough to kind of have the same training style um my coach in high school was super big on hills and I'd say Matt is even more um big on hills I don't know if that could be you know a thing but uh, we he definitely works us for sure, but it's been awesome to um, you know experience something like that, and hopefully one day, you know, I, I'd say I have a pretty young career right now, um, but maybe somewhere down the line, just to be able to give back what I've learned and um, what I've been given and stuff is something that I definitely want to keep on the radar for sure. Yeah, and, and that's a good point you bring up with your own coaches is, you know, we, uh, we've had, I, I've had athletes, you know, leave a program I'm in and go to another program and have success there. And, and it's good. You, you, you wish them well. And then not, not everybody's going to mesh, you know, as far as athlete and coach. And it's, it's, it's a, definitely a reciprocal relationship uh but yeah you you get the hills up there that's something see we got to get creative to find hills down here so right yeah. along the downtown <laughs> in wilmington our our school is sort of in the city so we can we can right along the cape fear river comes through wilmington so it the the landscape sort of pitches back off the river and there's some pretty steep hills down there but you really have to seek the hills out here 
uh, they call us flatlanders down here. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of the hills myself. It's something I miss about not being up in PA. I'd, I'd love to be up there more running those hills with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is, uh, the Appalachians are, um, you know, nothing short of, of some hills out here. Um, and especially, um, little off topic, but when I was, uh, just out in Colorado a few weeks ago, I thought like the mountains were big here and I mean, they're decent, you know, the Appalachians are, will beat you up. And then we get out to Boulder and like the foothills, they say of the Rockies and you're already up over like 8,000 feet, uh, 8,000 feet when you top out. And, uh, I was like, wow, like maybe I didn't quite know what mountain mountains were, you know? Oh, no, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, uh, as you mentioned before, you know, seeing kids, um, have a good race and PR and then, you know, their face, uh, lighten up and, and brighten up because they just did something that, you know, they probably doubted at one point or didn't know if they could do. And I know I've been in that position, um, and still am. I, there's been plenty of races, uh, in high school where I've come across the line and, you know, some people might be a good time, but to me, it wasn't what I set out there to do that day. And, you know, mm-hmm. probably got pretty pissed. And um, there's been plenty of times where my coach just had a way of speaking, I guess you could say, and um, would find a way to tell you to channel that energy, um, you know, into your yeah, training yeah. and into the next race. And eventually it would pay off. And, you know, at the time you're like, ah, oh, there's no way, like, uh, you know, I'm terrible. I just ran a shitty race, like, you know. Um, but I think it's important, you know, to have that emotion and because that shows that you want it and, you know, that you're there for a reason. And, yeah. Uh, and that, that's a, I was just going to say real quick. That's a, that's a big part of it too, is like, you know, for every young athlete who PRs, there's probably one who didn't and, and they're upset and, 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 you know, being there for them as well is, is probably almost more important than, uh, you know, trying to counsel patience and patience and patience and having been around the sport knowing like you're not going to PR every race and you can do everything right and still have a really crappy race you know but knowing hey somebody cares you know dust it off and we'll get them next time yeah yeah and um like you know I think almost once an episode the topic always comes up that the bad races are almost always more important than the good ones because it's awesome to have good races and you know we've all had days that everything just clicks and you come across the line and you feel like you're superman and then there's other days where almost everything goes wrong and you're questioning why you even you know went out there that day but then at the end of those races you could write you know almost a book on the stuff that you've learned and then apply it to the next one um so it's you know just call always almost a never ending, um, cycle of good and bad and learning and being excited and, uh, just kind of a whirlwind of emotions, I'd say. We all go through a lot of emotions out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we, you're, 
a coach, like we said, for for New Hanover. Um, we met. I knew about you a little bit before we met at uh, Keystone Backyard. And then I finally got to meet you um, at Keystone. And I think I was with you my last lap. Am I correct in saying that? I think it you was came, when yeah. we ran. I ran like two yeah. miles in and then said, all right, Greg, that's it. And then turned around and, and ran back to the, uh, to the start line. Yeah, that was super impressive because you came out there and you were like, try, correct me if I'm wrong, you were trying to set like your all-time like mileage PR for one day or for one run, right? Yeah. Is yeah, that, that was. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I thought, man, that I, I, I was like, man, I give this, give this young man props for coming back out here. He's done, but he's coming out to, to run somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you left me alone in the middle of the dark woods. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah, it was um, like fifteen hours, so it would have been. It was late. Yeah. Yeah, so twelve hours would have been ten at night, so somewhere around, I don't know, midnight ish, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, it, it might have been one, I think. And yes, yeah, set out um, back in November when uh, Mike and Adrian put on WTF um, Ultra. I had done 103, but a little bit of a different format, a little bit more time in between. And so when Jake Martinez, the RD for keystone hit me up um we ran together in high school uh different we went to different high schools but we'd always see each other at uh meets and different big invitationals he had messaged me and, and said he was putting on this race and um i had recently kind of learned of the format and knew it would be a little bit of a step up from wtf but kind of in a different way and so I was super, super excited to go out there and knew it would be more of a continual run than, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of an hour, hour and a half break in between um, laps or sessions. So, yeah, I, I set out thinking, you know, I wanted uh, to hit that 100 mile mark and kind of hit the triple digits, but didn't necessarily work out to the best of my favor yeah. but um you know either way I still met so many amazing people that day and um you know, like we said regardless of the outcome learned so much from that race and just overall had had an amazing time yeah I think I'm, I'm sure for most of us that was our, our first opportunity to run that format so we were all kind of going in there like just sort of this is trial by fire and figuring out and of course getting what an 85 90 degree afternoon of all places in pennsylvania yeah. <laughs> in may did not did not help the cause because there were a whole bunch of us like you know, you just said myself included that really were wanted to get to that 100 mile mark and i'm pretty sure a lot of us would have if but we got uh you know that he had a debilitating effect after a while so uh you ran it did you run at tamako is that right yeah yeah i ran for okay. tamako and jake ran at palmer and i ran at lehighton and i and lehighton and palmer used to always be in the same league but i know those the leagues have changed a lot this is back in the early 90s we used to have the centennial league so we all, we heightened in Palmer and always ran two or three times a year, but I don't think we ever ran against Tamaqua, but I think now they all might run together. So 
you would know that better than I would. So, yeah, I think um, besides like the bigger, you know, like outside invitationals that were held, um, that we would both show up to coincidentally, or uh, we would always see each other at the league meet because leagues were yeah. always at uh, for Schuylkill League were always at Kamakwa um, at our track, and then. Uh, of course, we'd always see each other at districts and then um, states. But, yeah, he was um, – yeah, I always joke with him because we both ran the mile. And he was two years ahead of me. So my sophomore year, I was just starting to be competitive. And um, one of my best friends on the team at the time, he was a senior, um, always had a rivalry with Jake in the 800 and they would constantly switch back and forth on who won um, races. So that's when I first met him. And uh, so he would always, he would always kick my ass in the mile. And, um, but now, you know, I always joke with him when I see him and say, all right, man, well, you got the short game. I said, but let's go, let's go hit the long yeah. game. Let's go do a 12 hour day and see who comes out on yeah. top then. <laughs> But yeah, that was a great experience up there. That was you're right. We met a whole bunch of good people there. Still keep in touch with a bunch of you guys, and and uh, and I I I see Jake on Strava and Instagram. I saw Lehigh just had their first cross country meet. So uh, another guy, Chris Bartoli, that was up there. He's coming down in two weeks to do a race down here. So yeah, it's it's that's I love the ultra running community. How we all kind of. Even if we're not in the same physical location, we're always keeping track of what each other's doing. Yeah, yeah, the community is is so awesome, and uh, it's almost like a, a tight-knit family, you know, if you will. Um, Scott Snell, who won Keystone, I uh, just had him on last episode, and uh, he's just such, such an awesome guy to talk to and um, just really down-to-earth. And then he just won this past weekend um or last weekend i guess it was the sasquatch um backyard in new jersey which is new jersey's first backyard ultra oh wow uh, yeah did he did 150 um <clears throat> miles because his the other pr was at keystone at 129 and then i believe they did 150 to get the win at uh at the sasquatch wow yeah i I listened to it. It was it was like going. It was nice because I, I listened to his uh, your podcast with him, and then remembering that day and going back, but then also hearing it from his perspective of still being out there the next day when the sun came up again, and how him and uh, I can't remember who came in second, uh, how they battled it out to to the finish. So it was interesting to hear his perspective on it out there. today. I remember being out there the last few laps I was out there was down to about eight or nine or 10 of us. And I remember thinking, wow, there's some guys out here that are just going to keep going for a while. And it's like, Phew. you know, yeah. give them credit. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, you know, something, uh, definitely a race for the, for the ages or for the books, you know, um, when I went out on lap 16 and ran with you, I know we talked for a mile or two and then hit the woods on the double track there. And um, 
it, it gets super dark in those woods, yeah. especially when you hit the single track. I mean, there's, you know, it's almost dark in the daytime, uh, let alone yeah, you know, yeah, when the yeah. night's out. And so, yeah, pitch black, we're just running and chatting and, um, you know, hit almost a two mile. And I said, all right, <laughs> this is about it for me. I'm a, yeah, I'm getting the back old fashioned run, walk back. Yeah. And, uh, and head back to the crew. But, um, yeah, even I, I came back the next morning and, um, to see Jake and I knew that Scott and a, a couple of the guys were still at that point. I think it was just down to him and Tom Flumerfelt, I think was got the assist. Okay. So I came back um, to see them in for a couple laps and just couldn't imagine going back out, you know, for another day in that heat because it was already 10 o'clock uh, in the morning and in the 80s already. So for those yeah. guys to go out and battle it for, you know, even a couple hours after that was, was super impressive. Yeah, it made it tough getting nutrition. And I know for me, because we're drinking so much fluids out there, then it gets tough to eat. Yeah. Yeah, the heat is, um, besides, you know, playing the dehydration game all day, it just always has a way of uh, turning your stomach kind of and not really, you really got to force it down, I think, more than usual on a, yeah. a super hot day like that. Oh, for sure. But awesome. Um, so what's, uh, what's on the radar? I know you said... Um, just following your Instagram and stuff, you plan to run a marathon in every state. Is that still kind of a goal that you're uh, working towards? Oh, uh, yeah. I've got about 13 states so far. I actually, I, I, I was going to do the marathon, but I'd love to just be able to run a race in every state. So I don't know if it'll actually be a, be a marathon. So uh, that is, yeah, I've got a race coming up in new york a 15k i'm gonna do in december uh before me and my uh, girlfriend are flying out to italy so she lives up in new york so we're gonna do that in december the day before so i believe that'll be my 14th state uh but two weeks from now we've got what's called the final countdown uh that's being put on down here which is a a really unique format and I, I i have to ask these guys i just saw one of them yesterday how exactly again they came up with the idea but it's a 1.33 mile loop on trails and you initially have 20 minutes to run the loop and then every loop you have to go 20 seconds faster or you're allotted 20 seconds less so it goes from 20 minutes to 1940 to 1920 to 19 on down and it's a last man standing format it, the race finishes when there's one person left doing it uh of course they put charts and you can do the math on it at some point you're going to have to be running pretty dang fast just to be able to get around the loop in time oh uh, i got that and then the the day race for me this fall is the is my first hundred miler i'm going back to allison woods uh drew combs's race he's a good friend of mine i've known for about 15 years now he's the race director there does a wonderful job so drew if you're listening please no hurricanes and no muddy rain up there so <laughs> going after my my first hundo up there at allison woods on october 18th so those are the two that i'm heavily training for right now 
Awesome. Yeah, a um, hundred is is no joke, and something that I might put on the radar for next year. Hopefully, um, yeah. If I don't hit it, you know, maybe in a backyard format. Uh, before then, that would be cool. But also, speaking of a hundred, um, Dan and Albert Props, uh, the Ultra Marathon Boys. Yeah. They are putting on a race of their own um, called Howland's Neck Cake, and I believe it's April twenty third. Um, up here in uh, near Tonkanic, PA. Oh, so I'll have to, uh, when we end, I'll, ha- I'll have to send you the link. And it's a 12 yeah, and 24 hour um, event. So he said that the trails are, it's a 3.1 or 3.2 mile loop. And um, it's mostly all single track, you said. And it's supposed to be a really beautiful spot to run. Um, oh, so I know that's, that's going to be probably the first race on the calendar for 2022. Yeah, that's good. I, I followed them when they—they're the two that 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 attempted an FKT on the DNL trail. Is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. back in April, I believe. Yeah, and Jake Martinez's dad attempted that too. So I, those things fascinate me. That's why when you were doing yours, I was I was sitting there waiting for the updates to come on Facebook. But yeah, I'll keep that off to keep that race in mind. I tried to. Uh, I said, I, I, I love keeping my roots in PA where I grew up. So uh, I, I hope to get up there and do some of those. And I hope you go after that hundred. It's uh, it's it's certainly a bucket list, I know, for a lot of us ultra runners. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, a straight through hundred is uh, it's no joke. <laughs> you know, it's, um, some days, you know, I wake up and somebody will bring it up and i'm like oh yeah like you know totally you know start training and let's go do it and then other days it's like ah start to second guess it a little bit i'm like i don't know if i'm ready yet you know like it's it's a no joke distance (laughs) well it's you know someone once said if it if a goal doesn't scare the crap out of you and seem a little bit daunting maybe you need bigger goals so I, i i look at it that way and i you know a year or so ago I mentally didn't think I could do a hundred miles. I just couldn't wrap my mind around it, but having run the, the Keystone backyard and getting on my Garmin, I had 72 miles and I was still running at the end, like literally the last part running on in. I mean, I didn't run the whole 4.167 mile loop, but I was still able to run at that point, sort of shifted something in me mentally where I'm like, you know what? I think I might be able to do this. Let's go after it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's been a couple of times, um, especially a keystone. I would credit the main reason um, was to my foot that I kind of messed up a little bit in November and it came on a lot stronger. So I was still able to run um, like even when I was with you on the last lap and it was just that constant kind of, you know, not necessarily pain, but just uncomfortableness every time, you know, you would strike with your left foot. And after a while that just kind of nabs at you mentally and you just, you know, ask yeah, yourself yeah. how long do you want to keep putting up with this? And yeah. You're still running and you're probably going to be fine, but you know mentally it just wears you down and wears you down and it, you know i eventually broke from it but um 
Yeah, it's, uh, they're so awesome. <laughs> he did great getting that far. I'll tell you, it's hard enough being injury free and pain free running that far. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, Greg, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Um, I wish you all the best with this upcoming hundred, and I know for sure we'll be following along and you know waiting for the updates and um, following all your training leading up to it. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. And I wish you all the, the best of luck up there as well. And with this podcast, you're doing some good things. It's good to see and hear. Thank you, Thank you man. Appreciate it.